Welcome to Logos Live. I'm Robert Martin, Director of the City Bible Forum in Melbourne, and I'm your host for the show. Logos is Greek for word or message, and Logos Live engages the Christian message before a live audience in Melbourne. Today we're recording live at St. Jude's Anglican Church in Parkville. And do we have a live audience here today? Are they... There's some clapping and cheering from alive people out there. We also aim to have a little bit of fun. Who said exploring the big questions of life shouldn't be enjoyable? Today's topic is where is the love, God and homosexuality? And we're privileged to have James Hornby join us. James is actually pastor of this church, St. Jude's in Parkville, a church which meets, strangely enough, in Parkville, in the leafy surrounds in the inner north of Melbourne. James has previously worked for Vic Forests and for the last six years has worked as an Anglican minister in Melbourne. He's married with young kids and therefore looks constantly tired. Fortunately, he's awake now, so please welcome James Hornby. (laughs) Welcome, James. I'm delighted to be able to welcome you to the church that you're the pastor. And they gave you a clap as well. They did. Uh, look, I'm delighted, Rob, that you continue to use my riff about being tired. So uh, it's obviously, it got a laugh from my wife there. So uh, thanks for that. <laughs> she was here tonight as well. That's she right. Um, now, James, we're talking about God and homosexuality tonight. It's not a particularly controversial topic at all. No, I think it should be plain sailing. Right. Okay. <laughs> Terrific. Homosexuality and the scriptures is one of the hottest topics around. Um, what's your particular interest in this topic? Well, I think... Probably when I was about 13 or so, um, for, a, for a quite a while, I had quite intense homosexual dreams. And uh, I was dreaming things that I didn't even know was possible. Uh, and that kind of like, you know, as a 13-year-old, I was thinking, oh my goodness, what, what's going on here? I kind of, I was brought up um, by Christian parents and I kind of knew the church's position and I thought, oh... What, what's this going on? And I kind of worked through that, but it wasn't long after that uh, I had a, somebody who had a profound influence in my life. She was a youth leader. Uh, she was about six years older than me, and um, she was outed, if you will, in the church as a lesbian. And, and I watched how the church treated her, and I guess I was wounded in that, and I really struggled to relate to it because here was someone who had whom, in a sense, I I loved. I I may have had a a slight crush on her as a 13 or 14-year-old, but at the same point, here was a girl that, six years older than me, had advocated for me. She was a senior at at high school, uh, and I was a kid that got bullied a lot, and she would step in and break up the bullies, and she really fought for me, and she invested a lot in my life. So I guess as I watched how she was treated and how she responded uh, in the end, she she left the church. I, I found that challenging. So, so what happened? Well, I remember there was a lot of secrecy about it and a lot of, can we talk about this? Can we not talk about it? Uh, and eventually uh, we lost contact. And m- many years later, uh, contact was re-established by some indirect means. And uh, I wrote her a letter and I wrote her a letter to tell her how sorry I was for how she'd been treated uh, and to apologize. And I also spelt out all the different ways that God had used her to put me on a journey towards being in ministry. And she got that letter and she cried and it was really emotional. But uh, I guess for me, that was just a small part of the journey. I then went to Bible college and I had this interest still in homosexuality. I started to research and look into what the Bible says and how do we care for people who 
who, who struggle uh, with same-sex attraction. And in that, at the Bible college I attended, I began to be known a little bit as the gay guy. By this stage, I was married. I was quite sure of my heterosexuality. <laughs> but I really advocated for caring for homosexual people. And in the midst of that, some people who were studying at Bible college at the time started to meet with me and to share their journeys and to share with me things that they hadn't been able to share with anybody else. And I began to journey with them. So I guess my wife and I have always had an interest in people on the, on the margins and in caring uh, for those that, that perhaps the church hasn't done as well as caring for. That's my interest. So when these people came to meet you, did that surprise you? Yeah, well, I, I guess, I mean, I was at Bible college. I, when people sat down to tell me what they thought, usually it was to tell me that I either wasn't hard enough or I, either, or I wasn't compassionate enough not to tell me that they were struggling themselves and could I journey with them. So, yeah, that surprised me. But it is difficult to have a conversation on this topic without being labelled as a homophobe or, or something like that. It rouses a lot of emotion. Why do you think that it is such a hot issue or why does it, do you, does it arouse so much emotion? Sure. Well, I'm pretty confident that by some who might hear this tonight, I'd be labelled as a homophobe despite my great love for some people who have gone down that path. I think it's a hot topic, in part because there's controversy about uh, what the Bible says, and uh, although I think it's relatively clear, uh, you know, people who see the pain of these people as they try and work out what it means for them want to advocate perhaps a different set of beliefs. Uh, Also, I think, to be really fair, I think the church has done a fairly ordinary job of treating these people with compassion and treating them justly and journeying with them. And I think we've been far too quick to judge them than we have to walk with them. Right, okay. It seems that being gay is different to homosexuality. Not everyone who's homosexual would necessarily identify with being gay. How are these two different? Sure. I'm going to clarify just a little bit. I think there's a difference between being homosexual or gay, I think they're relatively synonymous, and being same-sex attracted. So I think that there are people who experience same-sex attraction that don't go on and identify themselves as being homosexual. Uh, For a variety of reasons, I have a, a good friend, like a brother to me, who doesn't identify himself as homosexual, but is same-sex attracted, and has indeed lived the lifestyle. So he worked as a a male prostitute. Uh, He's had all kinds of experiences, but doesn't identify himself as homosexual because for him it's a question of identity. And to identify as a gay person, a lot of his friends want him to, is to identify with a uh, a subculture, a political agenda at times, a social agenda. And, And also for him, it kind of feels like if you identify with that, that you're locked in, that that is then the essence of who you are. And so he, he resists that. And so even though he struggles uh, to reconcile his Christian faith with his, the attraction that he has for men and with some of the choices that he's made, he doesn't identify himself as homosexual. Perhaps that identity issue, would that shape why it's such a controversial issue to challenge people because you're actually not challenging an action they do but actually the heart of who they are yeah i think we, we might get to this later but people want to say i i am gay or or i'm hardwired this way and if you can say that then firstly if you're struggling with that if you're trying to work through what it means for you then it actually gives you an answer you, you can accept yourself you can kind of identify and go well this is kind of the way i am but it also creates some separation some safety from from people that perhaps you don't inherently trust who might want to say, well, actually, no, you, you can change, you, you can be different. So I think, that's, I think that's part of it. 
Lady Gaga wrote a song called Born This Way. The theme resonates that since I have no choice, why am I being condemned? So in your view, are homosexual people born this way? It's interesting. A lot of um, gay communities want to basically came out and said, the scientific data is in, this is why I was born. And it's a really powerful social phenomenon because then who, who are you to argue against that? But whilst they were out proclaiming the evidence, the, the, in the scientific community, the jury was still out. So there's been a number of um, high-quality studies uh, over many years, uh, and the conclusion of that has been that the statistical variance of the data is so great that there is no actual conclusion about the genetic influence of your orientation. Uh, I think equally, to be fair, interestingly, scientifically, there's no hard evidence to say that environment is a contributing factor in um, your sexual orientation as an adult. My understanding of it in terms of the, the scientific data available is to kind of view it as a spectrum. So there's a spectrum in terms of um, your orientation, heterosexuality, homosexuality. You can be somewhere on the genetic spectrum, or you can be somewhere on the psychosocial spectrum, and, and those kind of co- things combine very co- in a very complex way to kind of come with your orientation. And a lot of people think that oh, my orientation is fixed, but I find it really interesting that in fact, the sexual identity or sexual orientation to some degree is, is fluid. And some people are more genetically inclined towards a particular orientation, other people are less inclined towards it, but, and it's different for every person. Bailey Dunham Martin did a survey looking at the correlation between homosexual orientation and genetics based on twins. And what they found was that the variation was so great that, that they could draw no conclusion about the statistical likelihood of being orientated towards a particular identity. Mm. So it means in the case of particularly identical twins, so the yes. same DNA, yep. ideally very similar upbringings, but very different outcomes. Well, they did. I think the sample was both identical twins and non-identical twins, and looking at the variance between the two. Right. And the outcome was that... In- inconclusive. Inconclusive. Right. Yep. Okay. And that's consistent with every study that's been done, that's been done rigorously and held up in, as a, a, an appropriate study. So it conclusively demonstrates the inclusiveness of the topic. I think you summed yeah. it up. Something about, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. that's great. Now, we come to the controversial part, homosexuality and God. There are a variety of views. So there's, on one hand, you've got groups such as the Westboro Baptist Church with their extreme words, you know, God hates fags on placards. Yet there are others who say that uh, the Bible or Jesus isn't anti-homosexuality at all. Feminist Patricia Ireland once claimed that Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. So what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Sure. Well, Jesus said a lot about sexuality. Uh, In terms of the views, there's a variety of uh, interpretations of, of the Bible. A lot of the argument centers around six particular passages, often referred to as clobber passages, unfortunately, because Christians in the past have tended to use them to clobber those that they've been talking to, uh, that speak specifically about homosexuality. As I said, there's been a number of ways of interpreting that. I'll give you one example. Genesis 19, there's an incident in Sodom, Gomorrah. It's a classic one. Uh, there's these two guests. Basically, they ask Lot if they can take them out and rape them. Lot yep. says, no, 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 you can have my daughters. Uh, and so that these two angels cause the people to go blind and nothing happens, right? But in terms of how you interpret that text, some people go, well, look at the hospitality code. It's so strong here. And look at what they're trying to do. Look at the, the act of violence, the brutality behind it. That's what God's condemning. But if you look at it in the context of how the text speaks, you go, well, actually, I think God is condemning the, the break in this hospitality code, the use of violence and brutality, and also 
homosexual behavior itself. And I think that's consistent through the Bible. I actually find it more persuasive, rather than go through these six clobber passages, I think actually the Bible is far more persuasive if you take it as a whole. And from end to end, the Bible speaks of the ideal being sexual behavior within the confines of a heterosexual union yeah. of marriage. And that's, that's consistent. I know that will offend some people, and I've got... I've got friends who I would, in one sense, dearly love to say, look, you know, I've looked at these texts again and again. I'd love to dice them up for you so you, it might be easier for you to reconcile what you believe about God. And I genuinely would like, in a sense, to be able to do that for them. But at the same time, I believe that God's word is good, that God is good. And so what he actually writes in his word is good and appropriate and ideal for what he desires of humanity. So basically you're saying that it's fairly clear the biblical teaching that homosexuality is against God's order for creation? Homosexual behaviour. Not, not necessarily an orientation. So the Bible doesn't speak directly onto an orientation. It speaks specifically onto a behaviour. So for those who, who would say, look, I, I was born this way, this is the way I feel like I am, I don't think they're morally blameworthy, but we are responsible and held accountable for our choices. So I think the Bible speaks about uh, our choices and with respect to our sexuality. And I think, yeah, the Bible is clear in its denunciation, if you will, of homosexual behaviour and indeed any sexual behaviour that falls outside of the heterosexual union expressed in marriage. So any sexual behaviour outside of that is, is said to be sin. Maybe we'll have a look at one of those clobber passages. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 says, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So what's the essence of this passage here, James? Sure. Well, the essence of this passage is of the grace of Jesus. That's the essence of the passage. I and mean, we look at the, the list of sins here and we go, well, you, you know, people get into arguments about the term. Is this term, you know, are we talking about male sexual relationships? Are we talking about male prostitutes, etc.? In a sense, it's kind of irrelevant in, in when the Bible actually talks about sexual immoral behavior across the board. Yep. But the essence of this passage is about the grace of Jesus, that, bec- that these people struggled with these things, but because of what Christ had done in their lives... They were made new. They were given a new identity. Like, we have a tendency to put our identity in all kinds of things, right? Yeah. So my identity might be in my, my work or my job or maybe as a heterosexual in my marriage relationship or my kids. Uh, but the wonderful thing about being a Christian is that actually we're given a new identity, that, that, that Christ comes and remakes us. And so the highest, my highest goal, the thing that describes me isn't my my sexuality or my race indeed there's a verse in Galatians that talks about that Christ we're in Christ it's neither Jew nor Greek slave nor free nor male nor female it's not our race it's not our economic status it's not our sexuality it's it's about being in Christ that defines us and says who we really are Mm. so then can a homosexual person be a Christian yes well it depends what yes a homosexual person can be a Christian yes hmm you're about, to, you're about to qualify that. Well, I, I think, again, I, I want to make the distinction between someone who identifies themselves as same-sex attracted and someone who persists in homosexual behaviour. 
This might come as news to you, Rob, but occasionally I sin. So I, I struggle with, with different sins. And from time to time, I slip up on those sins, and I thank God so much for what he accomplished through the personal work of Jesus Christ, that, I, that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So despite my slip-ups, I can come before the Father free, clean, forgiven. Now, someone who identifies themselves as same-sex attracted and slips up, be it sexually and repents and comes back and says, God, this is my struggle. This is the cross that I bear. Forgive me. Of course, the Father says, welcome, come in. But if someone willfully persists in any sin, sexual or otherwise, and refuses to repent, then I think, no, you're probably not a Christian. I think one of the difficulties that churches face is that we've come down really hard on certain sins, and homosexual behaviour is one of them, and we've been really content to let others go. We don't come down anywhere nearly as hard on lying or greed or gluttony or, you know, the list of sins that, that the Lord hates, right? And so what happens then is we kind of separate it and we go, well, we're going to judge that and not this, and then we, by default we become hypocrites. Like the Bible treats sin, sin is across the board. And if someone says to me, you know what, I'm, I'm repenting of my homosexual behavior, even if I might slip up, though it's not my intention, or I'm repenting of my greed, even though I might slip up, I would say, well, the door's open, come right in, the family's here, we're waiting for you. If someone says, I'm not repentant of that, then irrespective, if someone says to me, look, I'm a liar and I'm not repenting of the fact that I'm a liar and I'm going to continue to lie in the face of God, then I think God is pretty clear about, about his judgment on unrepentant sin. So I don't want to single out homosexual behavior. I want to say that across the board, the issue is one of repentance with any type of sin. When we recognize that we're sinners, we have a choice. We can come before and go, God, you know what? I've stuffed up. I could never save myself. And God says, you know what, that's a great point to be because I sent Jesus and he'll do that for you through his death and resurrection and the shedding of his blood. Or you can say, you know what, Lord, I've got this sin and you know what, frankly, I don't give two figs and I'm going to keep on pursuing it. And I don't think then whatever whatever position that might be, be it sexuality or be it our own um, inherent selfishness or lying, whatever it might be, then we stand, we're in a dangerous place. Again, it's the tension of this idea of change. So can I, can I change? If, I, if this is the way I am, then I don't even have to ask the question. And if change is possible, then, then often the church has come down and gone smack. You either have to change or you're out. And so for me, I mean, for me, the gospel of Jesus is all about change. It's about the fact that I put my faith and trust in Jesus and he changes my status before God. He changes my heart. He changes my proclivity towards sin. Like, Rob, if you were struggling with same-sex attraction and you said, look, this is something that I'm, I'm bearing, I, I, I'm working through this, it doesn't seem to go away, it doesn't, you know, what do I do? I, I, I would say to you, well, look, Rob, primarily the, the, the opposite of homosexuality isn't heterosexuality, it's holiness. That is, Christians, what we're called to is live holy lives. And if you come and you put your faith and trust in Jesus and, and you experience the freedom and liberation that, that comes from that, you can trust that little by little God will change your heart. He may not change your orientation, he'll change your heart and, and he'll give you what you need to work through the ramifications of that. And I suppose that this, this idea of change is quite clear in that passage we just read. It says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And that is what some of you were. 
Just thinking through the way that the church and Christian people have responded to homosexual people, one commentator suggested that the church has inspired deep hatred of the LGBT community. And according to a 2007 study in the US, 91% of young non-believers say that anti-homosexual describes present-day Christianity. Where is the love? Uh, where, where is the love? Well, I think, it, it's sadly, it's been lacking in the expression of Christian community. We've been far too quick to judge, far too quick to condemn, than we have been to actually walk alongside and, and enter into the trenches, enter into people's pain, into their struggles, in, enter into what's going on in their lives, and within that, seek to bring the grace of God into their lives. If you go on blogs today and you look at the, the hate that people have had to deal with from their families as they've come out, I'm not just talking about Christian families, I'm talking about families in general, like homelessness amongst teenagers in the United States has shot up in an incredible amount because of religious families actually casting out their teenage son or daughter when they've come out. And I, and I don't think that's, that's not a, a biblical response, it's not a Christian response. We're mandated to love our fellow brothers and sisters to love all of humanity. That includes those who struggle with transsexual, bisexual, or, or homosexual, lesbian issues. But I think real authentic engagement means to actually get to know them and to get in the trenches with them and to journey with them. And I don't think we've been quick to do that. Sure. Uh, so I think, I mean, you know, to, to those friends of mine, notwithstanding the many, many people that have been hurt by the church, I'd, I'd say, as I've said privately, I'd say publicly, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry for how you were treated. I'm really sorry for the judgments that were made upon you. But don't let that, if at all possible, stand in the way of what Christ can do for you, in you, with you, as you seek to live a life that pleases him. Uh, and I think, I think there's hope for the church too. I don't think the church is a lost cause. I think the church, uh, for all its failings, is still set up as the bride of Christ. We're, we're meant to be the representative of what, of what God's love looks like here on earth. And that's certainly my hope. Like I, I would be quite happy saying that people struggling with same-sex attraction, people who identify themselves as homosexual, are very welcome to come and, and, and join our community at St. Jude's in Parkville. Mm. So although I, I would still say sexual behaviour any kind of sexual behaviour outside of heterosexual union and marriage is less than God's good ideal, although I believe in that, I also think that we can come to God just as we are. So for those, if, if, if there's a person in a monogamous relationship going, I'm wrestling with, what do I do? Who am I before God? I'd say, well, come and find out. Come and let's, and let's journey again in the trenches. Maybe just on that, can you share about your friend who has the same-sex attraction, but as a Christian, how he deals with this situation as well, your, your, your brother. Your, your, your oh, God. sure. I was going to say, I've got numerous friends. One of them is same-sex attracted but has married and has kids, and that's been a particular cross that he and his wife have chosen to bear. They're very open about that. So that but with particularly with... Um, so you're, no, he's not your literal brother, but the no, guy he's not like my literal brother. brother. We, lo- we love each other like brothers. Uh, he, so he, uh, he had a boyfriend, his boyfriend uh, the relationship didn't work out um, his boyfriend was unhappy about that so hacked his um, emails and let everyone know uh, hacked his bank accounts froze his bank accounts and told him that he put a contract on his life uh, my friend was un- understandably anxious about that and he he's, doesn't live in Australia uh, but he left his country to come 
and live uh, with, come and stay with Karen and I for a little bit uh, while things kind of blew over. And in that, we were talking about, for him, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to wrestle with this? And even in himself, like he, he, he would say, look, I, I, wish, I wish I could have kids. I wish I could get married, but this just isn't the way I'm wired. How do I deal with that? And the comment that he made to me in terms of the thing that I did that was most helpful, and I'm sure I did things that weren't helpful, was the fact that I listened that I, I could look him in the eyes and I could give him a hug and I could say, you know, I love you, that I could follow him up, how you go, I could hold him accountable, I could work out what he wanted to do in relation to what he thought God was calling him to do and I could stick with him in it. Even if I didn't necessarily agree with all his interpretations of the text, etc., I'm not prepared, I'm not prepared to sacrifice where, where possible that relationship, that we can agree to disagree and still be in relationship. So I think, we're, I think one of the things that we've done is we've gone, you know what, I disagree with you, so I'm creating separation so we can't journey together. And I want to get in and get messy and go, you know what, we disagree, but I actually think it's possible for us still to show each other love, even in something as deep as that. What advice, though, would you have for someone who is identifies perhaps as a homosexual person who is investigating the Christian message? Go to Jesus? Like, look, like, and I don't mean that flippantly, I mean... It would be very easy at different points, depending on where you are, to look at the church and go, you know what, I'm not welcome here, this isn't for me, the bar's too high. And I would say, if you're interested in the claims of Jesus, don't let how you define your sexuality put you off exploring the truths of who this person is and what he has done for you I mean, the, the call of the gospel is to trust him with our lives. So if we can trust him with our lives, we can certainly trust him with our sexuality and our fears and our worries about what that might look like going forward. Final comments. God and homosexuality, where is the love? Where's the love? I'm going to go out on a limb and say, hopefully it's here. I'm hoping that I'm a part of a, a Christian faith community that goes, just because you're different, even though the Bible is clear about God's good intention for sexual behaviour to be in the context of heterosexual relationship in marriage, those people, even if they choose to persist in homosexual behaviour, I don't think as a church we can just wash our hands of the matter and go, you know what, that's it, we, we gave them a chance and now we're done. We're called to love our enemies and many of the people that we know who struggle with this are friends and family. How much more are we going to love them Even whilst making a distinction about what we agree and where we disagree, how much more will we get in the trenches and do life with them and struggle with them and cry with them and weep with them and do life with them? Let me leave you with the Logos for the day. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I look forward to you joining us next time for Logos Live. Please thank our guest today, or even though he's normally here, James Hornby. (laughs) 